Hello and welcome to another episode of Farm to Table podcast, episode 5. On this episode, we have a chat with Elizabeth Fuller from Let's Go on a Food Adventure podcast. And we compare the food systems and the food security situation in the US with that in Kenya. We speak about some solutions to food waste and some of the things that we both are doing to make the food systems more sustainable in our own capacity. Welcome. Hi Beth, um, welcome to Farm to Table podcast. We're very happy to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. This is so exciting. I am so thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. This is going to be a ton of fun. We'd like to start by giving you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us about yourself and what you do. Sure. So my name is Beth Fuller. I am a food and product photographer. So what I do professionally, I make drool-worthy, craveable images for brands and food bloggers and restaurants. And uh, you can check out my work on my website, elizabethrfuller.com. In addition to that, I have uh, in my non-existent free time, I decided a couple of years ago to start a <laughs> podcast called Food Adventures because I feel like food really connects us through our differences. We can find some common ground sharing a meal with one another. It's a great way to explore mm-hmm. other cultures. And it also, to me, when when I share a meal with someone or an experience I have, if food is somehow tied into that experience, it helps me really remember it so much more in a much richer way in my own memory. Um, so. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to share that with the world so you can check out my podcast anywhere on any platform that you podcast. Again, it's called Food Adventures. And if you go to my website, you'll see links for that in the show notes to go along with the podcast. Oh, and I live in, I I obviously live in Kenya. No, I don't live in Kenya. You can tell by my (laughs) accent. I live, I'm from the U.S. I probably should have led with that. Um, I'm from the U.S. and if you're familiar with the states, I live uh, in the Northeast in an area right outside of Boston, Massachusetts. So not too far, about three hours north of New York City. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting that you get to photograph food. Um, It must be so annoying for your friends. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, because they... so. They reap a lot of the benefits because with food photography, what people don't realize, well, some people do, some people don't, is that there is potentially a ton of waste. And so you're looking for the perfect vegetable or that perfect piece of something. And you tend to go through a lot of bags of food to get, like, for example, I was shooting uh, gummy bears the other day for a company. and. So I'm tearing Mm -hmm. open bag after bag after bag of gummy bears looking for those perfect ones for the the Mm -hmm. stop motion video I was doing for them. And that creates a lot of waste. And so what I like to do to help mitigate that is I either Mm -hmm. try not to open as many bags as I can because the company send, they have to, an immense amount of product to me Mm -hmm. because I want the prettiest packaging 
that's not flawed, all of the things, mm -hmm. right? And I'll either donate the food, the unopened food to food banks, food pantries, or I will give it away to friends and family. So they, uh, they get a ton, the yeah, a ton of food. <laughs> like I shoot for this one pickle company and mm -hmm. I get so, and they're so good. The pickles are so good. And I get mm -hmm. so many pickles every month. And so, oh. um, yeah. And I, it's, it's That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you have to love pickles, which I do. Thank goodness. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's, they, they reap the benefits in other ways for sure. That's so interesting. Um, I think it's so interesting to be specifically for food, because as you said, food really brings people together. And whenever you associate a memory with something, it's always, oh, we ate this and mm -hmm. drank this. Yeah, and also food is so... Come to realize that food really is such an identifier of like culture and just people because we can identify people by their food as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's a way that we can all learn from one another too. Like, even though politically mm. we might have differences, um, uh, you know, we might be on other sides. We might be fearful of one another for whatever reasons. And mm. if... There, there's this common ground that we stand upon, which is we have to eat to survive. And so if we can yeah. share a meal with one another to survive mm. through whatever disagreement we're having, usually at the end, you are, if you're open to it, you might be able to um, see one another with a little bit of kinder eyes and understand where the other's coming from, hopefully. Sometimes not always. Yeah. I mean, I've been in family disagreements that have blown up at the... <laughs> At the, the table. Yeah, the food didn't help, but um, at least we, at least <laughs> I went, I didn't go home hungry. So, you know, but anyway. Yeah, but also you can, even if you dislike a certain, let's say, people, you can still enjoy their food. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So being from the US and, you know, being a food blogger, you know, I'm pretty sure you know what the food security situation is as as you may know here at farm to table podcasts we are very much food security centric mm -hmm. so we focus on the food security aspect of you know everything mm -hmm. so what's your take on the food security situation in the u.s in general Oof. it's tough that's that it's so uh multi-layered because Mm -hmm. You know, I, I come and I acknowledge, I fully acknowledge that I come from a place of privilege by saying, you know, we have an overage of food in our household sometimes due to my, even my own profession, being a food photographer. Mm -hmm. And I understand yeah. that there are so many people who go to bed hungry all over this world that would mm. kill to have an overage of anything, let alone, you know, food. The, some one yeah. of the most basic needs clean water and um mm. so i acknowledge that privilege i, I want to state that first and foremost that being said i th there is a huge problem with food security worldwide um and mm -hmm. you know here in the u.s there are programs that are meant to help in communities whether it be um food pantries food banks 
um, mm -hmm. and other systems that I think, especially over the last few years, because of COVID, we saw those mm -hmm. programs really get tested to their breaking points where you would see long lines, miles deep of people who have lost their jobs, had no way of putting mm -hmm. food on their table for sometimes the first time in their lives. And they didn't mm -hmm. know, you know, what to do. And so they're just standing in line, hoping to get a jar of tomatoes, uh, a loaf of bread, whatever, whatever's left. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that there's, there's this huge problem that a lot of people acknowledge when you're in it, acknowledge mm -hmm. when you, you might see it in passing, but a lot of times it goes unnoticed and even like we were saying you you kindly came on my podcast a little bit ago and we were talking about this but here in the US too we have this problem that like a lot of the people who are going hungry if it's small children mm -hmm. one of the only meals they may get is at school lunch or at school yeah. so they go to school to mm -hmm. eat it's the same thing here in the US and you know it's it's problems like that, that it, you may on a, for me, I don't have children, so I, I don't, I'm not involved in the local school systems. So I don't even, mm -hmm. it's not even a thought that comes in my mind on a daily basis. I just know it's from educating myself through the news and um, just being a decent human out in the world. I know it's a huge issue. So I wish there was an easy solution. I wish that there was like <laughs> a magic wand we could wave and this would go away. But, you know, it's corrupt politicians. It's right people not acknowledging that this is even a huge issue. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's people saying like, well, why can't they just work? Or why can't this demographic mm. just do this? And it's like, what? You ignorant son of a... So yeah, I think... <laughs> the best the best thing that i we do here in our household is we really try not to waste we try to plan i do my best to plan our meals based around even like the photo shoots that i know i'm doing say for the week i will mm -hmm. if i'm like for example next week i'm shooting for <laughs> the pickle company and I know that there's three <laughs> dishes that I'm making for that pickle company that we will eat for dinners next week for sure. So right. like, I'm not wasting uh -huh. that. Like if you're in a commercial food, in a commercial photography studio, a lot of times that's not mm -hmm. um, even an option because the food is either going to get wasted on set. Uh, there's, mm -hmm. it's sitting out for too long and now it's not safe to eat. Like there's a lot of things that happen because of such large shoots, but I'm able to control a lot of that in my own home studio, which makes um, a huge difference mm -hmm. in the volume of waste that I try not to create. Yeah, that's that's amazing that you do that on your part. And also, it's very surprising for me to hear that because the perception that the rest of the world has about the U.S. is that you know, you guys are almost perfect. You know, you wouldn't oh. expect that there would be people who would be sleeping without a meal in the US, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's, for it's sure. Just, it's almost like, it's almost like um, how we've seen recently with the unfortunate, you know, Russia-Ukraine yeah. situation and yeah. how the, the reporting has sort of turned to 
you know to say oh this isn't even afghanistan or iran this is you know europe so i'm very surprised to hear that there are people who who have been going to bed hungry and just to make it to the next question which is about how the pandemic has you know affected this situation mm-hmm. so you 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 mentioned that the pandemic sort of wasn't the the food security situation i'm sure that must have been such a wake up call to so many people yes absolutely absolutely and like even here locally and again i come from a place of privilege by saying like i can go regularly to the grocery store and buy what mm-hmm. we need to to eat mm-hmm. the lines at the grocery store just to get into the grocery store were so long because you couldn't they were only letting so many people in at a time um they were rationing food in the grocery stores so you couldn't because they were running into situations of people hoarding so all the grocery stores started uh to ration food so you could only get two tins of beans you could only get one bag of flour if you could even find flour um mm-hmm. and things like that that I'm 41. I've never lived through I didn't I wasn't around for World War 1 or World War 2 when rationing mm-hmm. was a huge thing here in the US and and I don't know I mean I know that's not this that was a different magnitude for for this but there right. was there was echoings of of that feeling of like oh my gosh like we really need to think about what we can actually get and like seeing the lines at the food banks of people who have lost their mm-hmm. jobs and i mean i lost my job during covid and um mm-hmm. it, i'm so sorry to hear that oh no no thank you no 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 i it was the greatest thing that ever <laughs> that ever happened to me because i got to <laughs> do what i love full time and start my own business and really dive into it and right. uh, it made it, it it turned out really good it was it was a, i was mm-hmm. on the struggle bus for a minute but i got off that struggle bus and i i was right. i was good um yeah so i think it tested a lot of the like i said before the lot of the systems here in the us that are in place to help with food security but we are so there are so many people in the us that go to bed hungry without mm-hmm. question yes we have a larger middle class population than a lot of other places in the world that in a lot of mm-hmm. places in the world the division of wealth you see it's the middle class is so much small and I, i hate using class systems but financially mm-hmm. when you look at it like the people who have all yes. the money the division of wealth mm-hmm. is is much split skewed differently where here in the US it is you have a little more of the in between and there's still a mm-hmm. lot of poverty though and in major cities you see it even we live probably an hour ish west of of Boston and Boston's a very major city in the northeast mm-hmm. and we have a three food pantries right next to a, our house and we live in a little mm-hmm. suburban town it's nothing huge i don't know what the population mm-hmm. is but it's not big um and there are still long lines on Thursdays at these food pantries of people waiting to be able to put food on their table and it's mm-hmm. 2022 now and and so to me that that's never gone away i don't think it will ever go away i think until the government just 
I don't know. I mean, it, like I said before, it's so it's so multi-layered between Yeah, the the solution is so complex mm-hmm. and requires just it has so many moving parts. Yeah. It does. It absolutely does. And one of the things that really you said before on my other pot on our on our other interview that really gave mm-hmm. me pause was that you know, Kenya exports you have such an amazing agricultural system that you you're able to grow biodiversity that you're able to grow so much, right? But you have yeah. to export all of these agricultural commodities to other places yeah. in the world because you're you will make more money selling them out mm-hmm. than feeding your own people. And yes, that is that there is something really wrong with that that like the balance of you should be able to sell the government and the economic structure should support local growers mm-hmm. to be able to sell and make a profit and live on that profit off of, that money. Off of the yeah. yeah and the local government and because there's that disconnect they have to send all the food out so therefore now you have no food locally so you have to import it all in and pay an incredibly high import tax to bring the food yeah. you just sold out back in which is bullshit mm. sorry i don't want to swear but which is bananas <laughs> like there's something yeah. really wrong with that the same problem happens in mexico that mexico mm-hmm. has this huge uh maize crop right like but they mm-hmm. have to export all of their maize out to say the US and they can't even mm-hmm. sell it in their own country because they're going to make more money selling it same thing with avocados selling them here in the US than they could in their own country and so then therefore the country is going hungry because they have to import all this food in from back from the US it's it's such a yeah. messed up system it's very very messed up and um it's very similar to something another very very odd paradox mm. that happens here in Kenya where well we have farmers um they grow a lot of let's say vegetables um let's say cabbage um carrots and mm-hmm. potatoes all these mm-hmm. sorts of vegetables and they end up feeding these vegetables to their livestock Uh, whereas there are people in other parts of the same country who yeah. would just die to have a potato to feed their children so yeah. you just wonder what is like it's just so confusing when you think about it right and and then you think like what's this what's the solution right like and it it it's so like we've been saying this whole time it's so multi-layered like you have to acknowledge mm-hmm. the problem first it's the same thing like with climate the climate change mm. like so many people are in such denial of what the heck's going on with their climate and right. countries like Kenya you guys i mean all over the world we're seeing huge effects mm. of it but you guys saw it first like i would say any place on the equator saw these saw the drought saw the wild swings in weather way before some other places did and now it's really yeah. worldwide and mm. if we don't do something about it we will all die like there's no there's no saving anything literally like literally yeah. like this is it <laughs> you know it's this, like the netflix movie <laughs> don't look up like but yet nobody's paying attention because they don't there's i don't know i don't know or they don't want to acknowledge that it's really happening I, maybe they're scared i don't know so i think it's acknowledging yeah. the problem 
it's like you've said beautifully before it's putting the right people in place in government that you hope mm. will make a difference and move the needle and it's yeah. really doing like with anything those little tiny baby steps of trying mm. to do something in your own local community whether it's donating a couple of cans of beans tomatoes whatever to a local food pantry maybe yeah. you have an abundance of something you grow something in your little home garden and you have an abundance of carrots one day go to your neighbor mm. and say do you need a carrot are you like do you need anything yeah. like even just asking someone do you need anything let me yeah, let's try true. to help you know i mean mm. because when we look at the whole problem and it's so overwhelming you almost want to throw your hands in the air and be like, oh, I got nothing. There's nothing I can do about this. No. Yeah. <laughs> but there is, there is little teeny tiny things that you might think seem like a tiny grain of sand in the whole big picture of it all. But that little tiny grain of sand makes a huge difference, whether you want to realize yeah. it or not in the long run. Mm, that's so true. Mm -hmm. And speaking of um, food waste, um, I, I'm not sure if this is true, but the U.S. is one of the biggest contributors to food waste because, yeah. as you said, you have quite a large middle class. So these are people who, you know, food is not their primary concern and so they can yep. just throw it away. So mm -hmm. maybe you could tell us a bit about that, the situation of food waste. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak to the food waste, I think, really, because it, it, it is there's a huge, it, again, very multi-layered very huge mm -hmm. um locally like for example for many years i worked in um the events world and i did event sales mm -hmm. and i worked for large universities that had these huge events right and they would have i don't know twenty thousand people at some of these events so when you're cooking for thousands of people there's a rule mm -hmm. of you have to have so much overage that because you don't want there not to be food. You don't want to run out of food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what do you do with all that food when the event's over? You can't, mm -hmm. you can't give it to a food pantry because it's been cooked and it's been sitting somewhere and there's temperature rules and there's regulation rules and you know, there's there's rules about uh, foodborne illnesses. Like if someone was to get sick from something, they would sue someone else for money. And yeah. Things like that, right? So there's all of these rules. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's again, very multi-layered. All I can mm. say is in my own house, what we try to do for food waste is we try to be very mindful of like what we're gonna make. I try very hard to plan every meal out for the week. I try to, if there's leftovers from one thing, like say I roasted a chicken, I will take the roasted chicken carcass and I will try to make stock with it. I will, mm -hmm. you know, I, I wish I was 100% sustainable with, with the choices that we make, but I try my best to do what we can to reuse. Like if I steal bread, that's, become not edible for like sandwiches or, or whatever anymore. Like I mm -hmm. will try to make croutons with it uh, or breadcrumbs okay. or yeah. just trying to figure out ways to not waste nearly as much. And we also, like I said, I might've said here before that 
I have this tiny mm-hmm. little garden in our backyard and, you know, try to grow our own stuff, which I kill again, bamboo. So I haven't been <laughs> very successful yeah. at my gardening, but you know, uh-huh. it's, it's little things that you just try not to waste too much. And with food waste, there's also water waste, you know, like my husband and I were talking about this the other day that again, coming from a place of privilege, we have clean drinking water that runs in our household. We don't have to go somewhere to pump a well to get water. Like mm. we're able to just turn a tap on and it's clean enough. Yeah, I guess what to... Right. So, you know, we were trying to be, we're, we're both trying to be very mindful of, you know, how much water we're using when it comes to washing dishes at night brushing our teeth and making sure we shut the faucet off when we're brushing our Mm -hmm. teeth and things like that, like not taking super long showers, which again, I know it is so ridiculous that I'm saying this because it is a luxury for so many people to be able to have Mm -hmm. water, water, clean water. That's a luxury in a lot of places (laughs) in the world. And I'm not saying that lightly, like even here in the US, we have uh, areas here in the U.S. that the drinking water in, for example, Flint, Michigan, that the drinking mm-hmm. water was not, you couldn't drink it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know if the problem is still hundred percent fixed, to be honest with you. And that was years ago. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I recognize that, but waste is there's it's like, you know, I also think about, for example, I drive a hybrid car because mm-hmm. I'm trying to waste less with gas. I'm trying to waste less with my impact on the environment because, you know, you just try, you just try. I'm just trying, I'm yeah. trying, I am trying. Yeah. I try to buy local things. So my food doesn't come with a plane ticket. My food didn't mm. come with a carbon footprint that is more than just right here locally, if I can. Yeah. That- because I also, when you asked me the question on, on, on your on yeah. your podcast, and I, I couldn't really find an answer to say, you know, this is the one specific thing that you can do to help, you know. I think the best thing that you can do is just do your part. What can you do mm-hmm. as an individual to, you know, find solutions to this and not, and even if not to find solutions, just not to aggravate, you know. And if you can go mm-hmm. further... Yes, for sure, go further, but more, more importantly. Mm-hmm. So you were saying, um, you know, you, you don't want to aggravate the situation. You know, we don't really have to find solutions, but we can avoid making the problem worse. Exactly. I totally yeah. agree with you. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, now you've mentioned you killed several plants <laughs> including a <Yes>. bamboo <laughs> so yes. tell us a bit about your home gardening and some of the challenges oh, sure yeah so when we bought our house a handful of years ago we have bamboo that lines the back of our house to give us some privacy because our neighbors are like right right close with us mm-hmm. and um yeah so that i haven't managed to totally kill uh, my husband tends to a lot of the plants uh, in and around our, our home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's got more of a green thumb than I do by far. So we have four raised gardening beds that he made for um, him and I. And mm-hmm. 
my problem is I get wicked excited mm -hmm. about planting. So I overplant things. Right. So I get like too many things mm -hmm. that crowd the gardening area because I want so many options. Uh -huh. I'm like, ooh, I want every herb. Ooh, I want every variation of that tomato. Ooh, I want to make that squash. Ooh, I got to grow the fennel. Mm -hmm. You name it, I try to grow it. And then they all compete for sunlight, uh, air, yeah. soil, and they kill each other. <laughs> yeah, and disease breaks loose and it's great. So right. the things that I'm, I know, most successful at growing and not killing are cherry tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Love cherry tomatoes. I love tomatoes in general when you can pluck them right off the vine and the smell of a tomato plant uh, makes me so happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, herbs, love me some uh, chives, mm -hmm. cilantro, rosemary, basil, um, mint. Mm -hmm. Mint will take over a garden. Yeah. And then I also tend to grow some squash. Mm -hmm. um, again, squash will take over a garden. Cucumbers, they need a lot of room to move, I've found. Yeah. Um, we have, our summers tend to be kind of cooler May and June, mm -hmm. July, August, and even September can be pretty warm. Mm -hmm. So lettuce does really well sometimes end of may june-ish and then they kind of die off and then like i don't do i think it's called like uh six successional seeding or like when you keep seeding this different uh plants in one area because you want oh. the soil to keep right don't do that i wish i did but um i i tend to plant things uh -huh. hope they grow and then once they die, they die, kind of thing. You just but uh, you this just past year, them I, and say a prayer. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so far, they they have not been answered. Um, this year, I grew tomatillos, uh -huh. which were beautiful, uh -huh. but took over the entire garden. Right. Um, yeah, care. I've tried carrots; those didn't go so well. Uh -huh. They they were like super small and stubby. And our grow season here isn't super long mm. outside. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> that like we have the last frost might be mm, end of April, beginning of May. And then the first frost mm -hmm. is usually sometime uh, in October. So there's only a handful months. of months. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're growing outside unless you have a greenhouse. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I've tried to grow. <laughs> you make it sound so bleak <laughs> well if you saw my garden you would think it was pretty bleak <laughs> no it's not that bad it's not that bad but you know i tried to like for example to keep and this might be an old wives tale mm. um or a myth or, or however you want to call it but i was always told you plant marigolds around tomato plants mm -hmm. because the marigolds will help keep pests away from the tomato plants. Is oh, that correct? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I also heard that you plant lavender for good luck um, at the front of your garden. Oh, really? To help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, old wives tale. Um, but yeah, herbs, do, I can, I, I'm pretty good with herbs. Oh. Herbs are, and the ones that come back every year, like rosemary uh -huh, and chives. Uh -huh. 
good with that. Those are, those are good. Well, maybe what you can do to maybe control mm. the pest on your let's say tomatoes. I'm 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 assuming you prefer it to be organic. You don't use any of those harmful chemicals, right? Correct. <laughs> Only organic. You could And I get my soil from a local place too. Uh you could mix um soap like just um dishwashing soap, liquid soap or hand washing soap. Just liquid soap oh. with water uh-huh. in a in a spray uh-huh. bottle and you could spray the plants. That does Help oh my gosh. Probably the the best. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Love that fun fact. You're taking some notes, down. yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm totally taking notes. <laughs> you totally called me out on that. <laughs> yeah, so that's just one tip that I can give you to because I I never heard about marigolds. Is it marigolds the flowers or just yeah. the the general marigolds no the flowers oh no little flowers <laughs> and you plant them in, in around uh the tomato plants so i have like my little tomato plants in the center and my marigolds all the way around mm. the tomatoes the, are the to- taller than the marigolds so um, <laughs> i don't yes, get it very much so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know either <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wicked funny. Yeah, yeah. really funny. <laughs> but um, okay, I mean, I would be happy to do a, a, a gardening episode with you. Oh uh, yeah, we're gonna have to. Yeah, because if my garden has any chance of doing well this year, yes, we're going to have to do a gardening episode. <laughs> you, you need more than prayers, Beth. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, I need I need you, my love, <laughs> to move to Boston, and you would hate to and uh, or just come visit yeah. and yeah, help me out. Maybe visit because mm-hmm. uh, the only thing I know about Boston is that there's Harvard University. And, yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. That that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. and iced coffee, which I know you don't like iced coffee. You like coffee, but not iced coffee. I mean, if it's so cold, how are you drinking iced coffee? I don't know. And the stupid thing is that people will get it in the dead of winter and then they put a styrofoam cup around the cold iced coffee uh. cup so their precious little hands don't get cold while drinking the iced coffee. Yep. That's so I know, funny. Americans. Yeah, I know. Wow. Wait, it's all of, oh my God, the waste. I know. I know. Yeah, so mm. that, that's, um, that's also interesting. Um, let's concluded by you telling us what would you like to see in the future of let's go on a food adventure and how how do you how would you like me to support you in that uh well i would love to i would love to come to kenya that's how and i would love to hang out with you and share a meal and um i don't know maybe go to the beaches and eat some swahili food like yes hello that's what we're doing (laughs) yeah that's how you can support me in that adventure but no for the the food adventure podcast um yeah no just check out some episodes everyone and and let me know if there's any uh any questions that anyone if there's any culinary questions that anyone has it's part of the podcast mm-hmm. is i love to do culinary sleuthing mm-hmm. and um i just love to to bring awareness to different cultures and i love to learn so that that that's that you can always shoot me an email at let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com mm-hmm. or 
tag me in your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. And again, the website's elizabethrfuller.com. Um, I feel like I, I have to ask you something about cooking because I, I, I feel like that's something that you are passionate about. I am passionate about cooking. So maybe you could tell us, I don't know, something that you love to cook. Sure. So this week, um, in between all of my photo shoots and meetings with clients, mm-hmm. I have been, like many of us here in the world, really heartbroken over what's going on in Ukraine. And <laughs> I I wanted to try to, beyond just donating and bringing awareness to, to myself and, and, you know, posting mm-hmm. on the internet and stuff like that. I wanted right. to learn more about Ukrainian food. I did not know mm-hmm. about the cuisine. Like I, I just, I, I wanted to educate myself on it. So this week I made a handful of Ukrainian recipes and they came out really good. One of the things oh. that I'm going to mention because you have such a sweet tooth is mm-hmm. there's this recipe called a braided Easter bread. And so it's mm-hmm. a yeasted dough that you have to proof a ton of times, oh. which that, that was a challenge for yours truly, but I did it. And then you stuff it with mm-hmm. um, like a farmer's creamy cheese, like ricotta, or they had, they call it a farmer's cheese. And it's just like a milky, mm-hmm. creamy cheese. Um, mm-hmm. sugar, orange zest, and dried apricots. And then you roll it up like mm-hmm. a log and you slice it mm-hmm. in half and then you braid it and you put it in a loaf pan and you proof it again and then you bake it. And then you top it with powdered sugar while it's still warm. Woof! Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it took half a Sounds day. like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took half a day to make. But man, oh uh-huh. man, was that good. Totally oh. recommend it. So, um, okay. Yeah. I thought that, that came out really good. There's another Mm -hmm. recipe, um, called, and I want to make sure I pronounce the capital city of Ukraine properly. Kiev. Cause is it Kiev or Kiev? Because Kiev was the Russian pronunciation. And in Uh. once they separated from Russia, they changed it to Kiev. So it's this recipe called chicken Kiev and it's, chicken mm-hmm. breast that's stuffed with mm-hmm. a butter that has garlic and parsley and dill in it and then you bread wow. it and you deep fry it <laughs> the butter wow. melts into the chicken the inside of the chicken and it was uh-huh. bananas it was so good yeah so yeah i highly I recommend I if i mm. i think if we hung out we would have to do a lot of gym a lot of gym. oh yeah <laughs> we would be the size of houses absolutely yeah, yeah i know i cook a lot so yeah that's what that's what i've been cooking in our kitchen this week oh that's so nice of you to actually in your own way just you know show your support to what's happening with with russia and ukraine yeah yeah thanks mm. okay beth um i think that will be all um, is there anything that you'd like to say as a parting shot? No, just thanks everyone for listening. Again, if you have any questions for me, mm-hmm. feel free to go to my website, elizabethrfuller.com. And this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. 
yeah i had the best time <laughs> as well but, well, we really need to do it again. We need to have another collaboration. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you have a fabulous night and I will you see too. you soon. Yeah, see you. Bye. Bye.